Dr. Ida Whiteman is a paediatric cardiology fellow at the Monash Children's Hospital in Melbourne. She's also a John Monash Foundation scholar who studied at Oxford University with a specialisation in international health and tropical medicine. And it's my pleasure to say that Dr. Whiteman is my guest on the Scholars podcast today. Ida, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Justin. Okay, so you're, you, you have lived all over the world. Where do you call home right now? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, Melbourne definitely is home right now and hopefully will be for a while because I'm doing my um, paediatric cardiology training now and um, I'm set up for at least a few years uh, to do that here in Melbourne. And so, obviously, Melbourne has been in the news, uh, particularly because of uh, the coronavirus. Um, how's that been for you, living and working in Melbourne? Yeah, it's been a pretty unusual year, I think, for everyone, and everyone's kind of dealing with it in their own ways. Um, it hasn't affected my work too much, actually, um, apart from the fact that a lot of patients who we normally see face to face in clinic we're now seeing over telehealth, uh, which is like a video service. Mm -hmm. And, but it's been, I feel really lucky actually that I've still been able to get out of the house and go to work every day because it's kind of your only, my only source of socializing, getting a coffee at work is like the social highlight of the week. Um, And yeah, so, but for my partner, Dylan, for example, he's kind of stuck at home in a bit of a prison. Uh, But yeah, it's been good being able to get outside and exercise. And one positive from that for me is that I've actually started running for the first time in my life. <laughs> it, it had to take a, a global pandemic for me to ever become a runner, <laughs> but that's been that's been a positive. But it has been. I mean, like I, I'm in Sydney, um, but I think the Victorians have done it the toughest out of everyone in Australia. It must have been hard. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely been been tough, and I think there's been a huge spike in mental health issues in Victoria and. Um, yeah, everyone's sort of struggled with it. And I especially feel for people who live on their own because that's just been very lonely, I think, for a lot of people. Um, And then they introduced this bubble buddy thing where you could, if you did live on your own, you could choose someone and catch up with them. And, yeah, it's it's definitely been a lot of uncertainty and um, a tough time for people here. Well, you deal with a lot of... Um, young patients has it been hard trying to do all of that remotely where where possible yeah um not too bad so I'm normally doing pediatric cardiology training but actually at the moment it's a little bit unusual in that um, as part of my training I have to spend six months doing a psychosocial job it's like a mandatory part of my training program Mm -hmm. and so to achieve that requirement I'm actually doing an eating disorder job at the moment um, which is until February and that's been pretty confronting especially because eating disorders have strangely really escalated in the context of COVID And that's Mm -hmm. probably because these teenagers are not able to sort of distract themselves with school and all their usual activities. So they're generally feeling anxious. Yeah, generally feeling anxious and feeling like there's so much uncertainty in the world around them that this is one aspect that they can control. 
is what they eat and how much they exercise. So eating disorder presentations have gone up. We've got some data from across Victoria, but it's between 600 and 700% increase compared to this time over the past three years. So it's a you know, it's an experience that isn't in my usual trajectory of my cardiology training, but a really interesting mm. experience nonetheless. And yeah, um, young patients have definitely been affected in that way. So let, let's let's go back to the beginning. Where where did you? You're in Melbourne now. Where did you actually grow up and go to school? Yeah, so I'm um, a Gippsland girl. So I grew up in country Victoria. I was born in Geraldton at a hospital that uh, was knocked down like 20 years ago or something now mm-hmm. um, and then moved to Warrigal when I was 12 and finished high school in Warrigal, which is about an hour and a half east of Melbourne. And it was a great area to grow up. Like it was a pretty relaxed, um, down-to-earth kind of way to start my life and my academic career, I guess. And then um, moved to Melbourne to go to university. So I went to um, medicine at Monash yeah. after high school. Um, and then, so you went, you went to Monash University. You're working at the Monash Hospital and you're a John Monash scholar. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of Monashes. I've actually <laughs> I have thought about that before. Um, it does seem to be Hero, a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So did you always want to be a doctor when you when you were at school and sort of you know getting into the later years of school is that um when did when did that idea first emerge Yeah um I feel like I'm a bit unusual in this uh this answer because a lot of people who become doctors had always wanted to be one or had sort of maybe grown up with a parent or a relative who was a doctor but for me it um it hadn't really come onto my radar until quite late in high school and I was trying to figure out what to do and um, I knew that I liked science a lot and I liked talking to people and I knew that I wanted something academically challenging and then one of my best friends in the year above me at school did medicine and then I thought oh okay let's do that yeah genuinely that was kind of it it sort of planted the seed of an idea in my head and then um, I remember telling my dad that I was going to apply for medicine and he thought it was hilarious (laughs) because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he just didn't really think that he'd have a um, a kid who did medicine and okay actually, he uh, actually told me recently that um when I was little he said to me what do you want to be when you grow up and I said I want to be a nurse and yeah. he said oh why not a doctor and I said oh because I'm a girl so then he realized that he hadn't that even, right yeah he hadn't even thought about it but reflecting back when I said that as a kid he thought well actually we haven't ever taken her to a female doctor so of course she doesn't realize that they just exist. wouldn't know yeah yeah <laughs> so then they um they started making sure that I saw a mixed mix of um female and male doctors and and then yeah but that was it was kind of late in my trajectory that I decided to do it but presumably you were good at you were good at school to to, to have medicine on the radar as a career yeah yeah I did pretty well in school and um I sort of really put in the effort especially in VCE time Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't for a clear purpose at that point, especially at the beginning of it, it wasn't to do medicine. It was more just to do well in general and then figure out what I wanted to do with that. And medicine came a bit later. Give you some options. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you go, so you go to uni in Melbourne, you're doing a degree in medicine. And at that point, did you, did you know precisely, you know, where that would take you? No, again, I feel like I'm one of those, um, you know, those robo vacuums that like, 
<laughs> but um, move around rooms and hit yeah. walls and bounce yeah. off in a different direction. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of a metaphor for my life, I think. Um, I really enjoyed adult medicine in medical school. And yes. so I thought that I would become a, an adult medical specialist of some sort. And then mm-hmm. um, I did my intern year, which is your first year of work as a doctor at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Uh, and then I thought, you know what, I think I want to do adult medicine, but I want to go on a bit of an adventure and learn a bit more about uh, Indigenous health. So I moved to Darwin for my second year of work. Fantastic. And yeah, that was an incredible How was that? Experience. How was Darwin, living in Darwin? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's amazing. It's such a great place to live and I'd love to live there again, even potentially permanently one day. Okay. It's, yeah, it's such a, it's um, sort of like you feel like you're on holiday all the time. It's just the mm. weather's so amazing and the it's people. Hot. Are, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's hot. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's yeah. so hot. Yeah. And really simple things like a lot of people live on the foreshore there, um, which is kind of between the hospital and the city. And mm. um, you see the sunset every single day of your life. And, you know, I don't, I can count the number of times I see the sunset in Melbourne. It's sort of blocked mm. by the city and things are a bit more built up. So it's just an amazing um, outdoorsy, really relaxed atmosphere. People are so friendly and they say, oh, I'd come and jump in our four-wheel drive and we'll go to Litchfield or Kakadu this weekend. And you, it's just, yeah, such a different atmosphere to down south. Um, yes. And then the medicine there is the other part of it um, is just so fascinating. And um, you see tropical diseases in the Northern Territory that you just really don't see in Melbourne um, or don't exist anywhere yeah, else on the planet. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and the challenges as well of trying to understand, well, there's there's so many layers to, um, you know, the issues faced by Indigenous Australians in terms of history and ongoing trauma and um, social mm-hmm. determinants of health. So learning more about those was really interesting too. Okay, so when you went to Darwin, uh, how long were you there for? There for a year. Yeah. And, um and that year I was doing adult medicine again, a bit of infectious diseases, cardiology. But I sort of realised during that year that I was more fascinated by younger patients' medical pathology. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially when that wasn't related to lifestyle decisions and it was just sort of um, a true underlying biological disease. So um, I then started thinking, oh, maybe I and more passionate about younger patients and their health issues. So then I decided to give paediatrics a go. Okay. Wow. Was that a, was that a, an easy decision in the end to make? No, because I really didn't want to leave Darwin. I was so happy there and I just desperately wanted to stay and I'd made a really great group of friends and I was just really sort of I feel like I'd found my place and then um, – you can't do, well, you couldn't at that point do paediatric training in Darwin. So I applied okay. for yeah. Royal Children's Hospital back in Melbourne thinking, well, you know, if I get it, I'll go. Um, and in some ways sort of leaving it up to fate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then. Um, Toss of a coin. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't expect to get it because I hadn't done any paediatrics before and um, it can be a bit competitive. And then when I got the job, I thought, okay, well, yeah, I'll go back down and give that a go. And it was a great decision in the end. Okay, so then what made you um, get onto the um, the pathway of the John Monash Foundation Scholarship? How did all of that come about? Yeah, um, so it probably kind of started for me in Darwin because 
Um, I was there seeing all of these medical issues uh, among patients and those issues had mostly been caused by public health issues and social determinants of health. So um, housing, difficulty with sanitation, education, um, a lot of things that I felt could be prevented with better public health measures rather than trying to treat the disease once it had already occurred. And yeah. so I started thinking more about the bigger picture of public health and just wanting to understand more about public health in general and how I could incorporate that into my career and, and play a role in more preventative health rather than just treating diseases at the end of that mm -hmm. journey. Yep. Yep. Um, and I'd met a couple of people um, who'd studied overseas and had um, had the assistance of the John Monash Foundation, so I was aware the scholarship existed. And you thought, this sounds all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um and I never thought I'd um, I'd get it. I never thought I was. Everyone of... says that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, I can imagine they do. Yeah, I just I thought, oh, this is something other people get. And um, yes. And I remember I caught up with Peter Binks, who used to be the CEO of the foundation. And mm -hmm. uh, we met for a coffee in Melbourne. And I thought, oh, this will be great because I'll go and meet him, and he'll tell me that yeah, I wouldn't be competitive for it anyway, and then I can put it out of my mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, we'll rule a line through yeah. that. And um, I went and had a coffee with him, and he was just so encouraging and supportive. And yeah, he he sort of gave me a bit of a reality check and said, "Of course, you you're someone who should look into this and the things that you want to work on and look mm. into are really important issues." And he just gave me um, yeah a lot of encouragement. And then I did apply for it, and I missed out the first time actually. Okay. So I, um, I got How do you find out you miss out? It's just like, sorry, your application was unsuccessful. Yeah, just like a thumbs down emoji. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was it was an email. No deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah wow. So, so I, you went back. You went back for round two. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I did. I had an interview the first year, which was great. Um, and actually, it was. I'm sure people, other people, say this too, but missing out the first time was probably one of the best things that ever happened because it forced me to really think long and hard for another full year about what I wanted to do and why and I think really clarify what did I want to study, at which institution, at what stage in my training, what did I want to make a difference to and how and really narrow down my goals in that regard. Right. Okay. So um, did, you, did you sort of change your focus ever so slightly in the application process from year one to year two? just became a lot more focused, I think. Um, okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd always had a passion and sort of a, a plan to become, well, at that point I'd had a plan to become a paediatric cardiologist. So instead of thinking more about public health and Indigenous health in general, I started really thinking about rheumatic heart disease um, as more of a specific area to focus on. Yes. And rheumatic heart disease is a... It's actually, it actually starts with a bacteria, but basically um, it's a, a condition caused when kids get uh, a bacterial infection in their throat or on their skin, um, and colloquially it's called strep throat, but basically there's this bacteria called Streptococcus pyogenes. Um, it causes basically... It's a mouthful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Wouldn't like to spell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, it causes throat infection or, or skin sores in kids and it's a really um, rapidly spreading bacteria, especially in situations of overcrowding um, and poor sanitation. And mm. then it's quite interesting actually, but 
for some reason in some children uh, having that bacterial infection triggers an autoimmune inflammatory response in their body mm. and they get uh, inflammatory sort of autoimmune uh, issues on their heart valves and then their heart valves become permanently damaged and once that happens they have rheumatic heart disease and there's no cure for that so if it gets severe they just need open heart surgery there's nothing else really that can be done um, they do get monthly uh, penicillin injections which are okay. into the muscle and that's quite painful and that helps to prevent um, worsening or development of rheumatic heart disease but this disease uh, affects, it used to affect uh, people all over the world, but yeah. as standard of living improved, so in Australia, for example, it's basically disappeared um, but persists in uh, Aboriginal and um, okay. Pacific Islander yeah. populations. Okay. So um, now what year are we talking about here once you get the green light, the thumbs up that you um, have the scholarship awarded to you? Uh, and. 16. Okay. Yeah. And um, you chose Oxford University. Yeah. And, and why, why did you choose Oxford? So I weighed up a lot of different courses at a lot of different universities and there were a few things about the Oxford course that kind of made the decision for me. The first one was it was a really small class, so there were only 18 of us in the cohort and mm -hmm. the majority of those students came from uh, low-resource countries, so there were only two or three of us from high-income countries in the class yeah. and that meant that there was just such a massive breadth of experience and knowledge and backgrounds in that cohort and we learned so much from each other in that regard. Um, the other thing was just the subjects on offer so it was a very it gave a really good broad uh, teaching base in a lot of fundamental topics like health economics um, public health, health policy, statistics, social determinants of health. And then mm -hmm. in the third term, we also got to choose our own project. And I really wanted to do a project after learning sort of more about the basics. I wanted to do a project focused on rheumatic heart disease. And so I knew that I would be able to take that opportunity through that course to do a, a project that specifically fit with my interests. Okay. So tell us about your experience there studying for, I think it's a, a Master's of International Health and Tropical Medicine. Yep. That's <laughs> another mouthful. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was a really um, amazing opportunity. And, um, and you live well, on campus. Yeah. So you live, it's a collegiate university. So you have to, to be an enrolled student there, you have to be a member of a college. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I can't remember how many colleges there are actually. I really should know that. There's it's probably like 40 or something. But um, I went to Balliol College, which was, well, argued to be the oldest college at Oxford, but there's a bit of um, controversy around which college truly takes that title. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, really um, old, beautiful college grounds and gardens. And um, I lived in uh, Holywell Manor was the name of the building. It was the graduate um, building for Balliol College uh, and yeah it's like um, it's like being in Hogwarts really like you have <laughs> <laughs> a lot of formal dinners and um, and yeah pretty amazing unique experiences and you know I hope there's, I hope there's no witchcraft in <laughs> oh there there would definitely be a society for that there's anything yeah. and everything you can imagine but I feel like one of the best things about Oxford is just the people that you meet there 
um, everyone's studying something different, but everyone's so passionate about what they're studying. You know, there was another John Monash scholar, um, Joe, who who studied origami engineering there. I mean, I'd never heard of that before. Mm. It, it, there's people studying, you know, a specific era of Italian poetry and no matter what people are studying, they're, they're really Amazing, passionate it? about yeah. it. Yeah, so you just end up in such interesting conversations. Um, are you able to identify any differences between you did an undergrad degree in Melbourne, you do, did a postgrad in England? What, what are the differences in, in learning in Australia to the UK? Yeah, um, I think they're, they're actually fairly similar, but I guess I'm comparing a medical degree here with a, a fairly medical, medically focused, well, at least sort of science-y focused degree yes. in Oxford. Yep. Um, yep. Oxford itself is a very strong humanities university, so um, I'm sure that all of the, the people there studying um, ancient history and literature and and fine arts and things would have a completely different experience. But, yeah, I guess just the, the history of, of Oxford is the biggest difference. But I would say that I was so impressed um, after studying in Oxford with our Australian university system as well because I guess, you know, you go somewhere like Oxford, you think um, it's going to be completely out of this world compared to the, the previous yes. educational experience you've had. But actually I'd... I think it was it was quite similar in terms of the the quality of teaching and um, made me really proud to have gone to Monash Uni and that's great quite, to hear. Yeah, yeah. Really proud of um, the university system here as well. Okay, so you now um, you finished your degree. You're now back in Melbourne. So, what is your can you can you give us an idea of what your day to day job is right now? Yeah, so when I came back to Melbourne from my studies, I started working in paediatric cardiology at Monash Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a really interesting job because, well, a big part of being a paediatric cardiology doctor is doing heart ultrasounds on patients because uh, okay. it gives us a lot of information about um, the underlying cardiac diagnosis and how the heart's functioning uh, and it's there's no risks associated with doing heart ultrasounds. So we, we use it really commonly. So. Yeah. Um, a big part of my job was learning how to do that, actually, because... How do you do that? Is it when you put the gel on you? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's exactly right. So the same as a scan that women get when they're pregnant. Yes. Uh, you're using a very similar machine and a similar probe and jelly and just putting it on the child's chest in different mm-hmm. positions and seeing the heart through lots of different angles and views and assessing the, the heart function and anatomy. So mm. I spent probably the first year back here really focusing on learning to do that well because it's such a specific skill and it takes years for anyone to uh, really hit their peak at, at doing that. It's called echo or echocardiography. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I was doing that, a lot of that day-to-day, seeing patients on the ward with heart problems in the emergency department, doing clinics, um, and then patients who needed uh, open heart surgery or procedures done I would present those to the Royal Children's Hospital because Monash doesn't do any paediatric open heart surgery. Okay. Um, And then that continued through until August and then now I'm actually doing this, um, as I mentioned previously, well, now I'm doing an eating disorder job. Um, So that's a completely different thing and that will go through until February and then I'll be at the Royal Children's Hospital on cardiology again. Are you able to make any comparison 
at all about, say, Australia's healthcare system relative to other parts of the world? Yeah, absolutely. I've worked in um, some capacity in quite a few different countries now. So throughout my medical school years and my paediatric training, I've uh, at least visited or worked in or taught in uh, Timor, Malawi, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka, Nepal. Stop it. You haven't. Really? Wow. <laughs> there's been, there's I'd been like a to few see places. your passport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's not getting much of a workout at the moment. No. Um, but, yeah, so, and then the UK, I worked, um, I worked in the UK for six months after finishing the Masters. So, yeah, I think Australia has an incredible healthcare system in terms of the infrastructure that we've got and the training uh, and the funding. It's it's great. It's got all the basics. I think the area that we fall down in Australia, and this is more of a personal view for me, is communication. I feel like there's still um, a lot of improvement to be made in how we communicate with patients and communicate with each other uh, to make sure things run more smoothly and mistakes don't happen and that patients and their families understand what's going on. So that's yep. probably a bit of an interest of mine. Um, but yeah, I think we have a fantastic healthcare system and it's very uh, humbling and eye-opening when you work uh, in in very uh, underprivileged settings overseas. And even working in London, I, I think bet. that's the NHS is great as well, but I think we've still got a bit of an edge here in Australia. So what would you say some of the biggest challenges of your job is at the moment? Um, well, cardiology is such a technically difficult specialty that I feel like uh, there's such an enormous amount of knowledge and skills to obtain. And this is now my current focus before I sort of go further into the Indigenous health, rheumatic heart disease prevention. Part of my career is becoming a really good cardiologist. And that involves understanding a huge amount of information about the heart and all the different things that can go wrong with children's hearts and uh, and how to treat all of those things. So that would be the biggest challenge. And then as well, people get so anxious about heart problems, especially in their children. So there's always mm. a, a high level of stress. Um, and so managing that sometimes is is a little bit difficult as well, but that's a challenge. That's a part of it that I really enjoy actually and one of the parts of it that drew me to doing cardiology is I find those interactions really rewarding and being able to provide people with the information that they need and also sit with them through the uncertainty when you don't have the answers. Mm. And, and the um, parents and, and, the, and the, the young patients are, are looking to you for, you know, for information, for hope, for anything. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they want to get from you. And sometimes we don't have all of the answers in specific moments in time and we're not able to say what will happen. But finding a way to to ha- to empathise with them in, you know, those times which are probably the most vulnerable and difficult, some of the most vulnerable and difficult patches in their life, uh, to be someone who they feel that they have confidence in mm. and who they trust and and can rely on. Okay, so let's let's look ahead. Do you think you I mean you've you've done a lot of study and obviously being in the line of work that you are in requires um, continued um, scholarship. Do you do you ever think you'll stop studying or like you just that's your career. You you're probably <laughs> going to just plow on and do more. No, I think I'm I'm going to stop. Um, the a lot of people 
go on, I guess, from this point and do PhDs. I don't think I want to do a PhD. I think that uh, I can achieve what I want to achieve by focusing on clinical medicine and Mm -hmm. uh, really honing my clinical skills and then uh, either moving back permanently to the Northern Territory if there's a job opportunity there to do so or continuing to be based hopefully in Melbourne with a visiting role in the Northern Territory and overseas working to treat and prevent rheumatic heart disease. I don't think I need to keep studying to do that. Um, mm. So I don't have any specific goals to keep studying. But when I say that, there's there's always going to be mountains of interesting journal articles and textbooks to read for the rest of my life. And so definitely there will be lifelong learning um, but no plans in terms of formal study at the moment. Okay. And it sounds like the sun of the Northern Territory and Darwin in particular potentially is calling you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there's only one paediatric cardiologist in Darwin. So she's on call sort of 365 days a year, as you can imagine. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Bo Romeni. She's an incredible uh, person and a real advocate for rheumatic heart disease in Australia. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, and see if there's an opportunity there in the future. Well, Ida, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today on the Scholars Podcast. Thank you so much for your time, and we wish you all the very best in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. It's been a pleasure as well. Thanks again.